Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, uh, <clears throat> what I want to do today is give an introduction. I've never done this before, but given an introduction, kind of whet your appetite for a series of sermons that we're going to be doing um, later on uh, this summer, actually starting right around Labor Day. We have a couple of uh, guests, and then uh, we're going to do a summer series in some of the uh, Old Testament minor prophets. But then uh, we're going to land in September in a series called Salt and Light. And today I want to whet your appetite and give a little bit of an introduction um, to uh, what God has been laying on my heart. I truly believe, I firmly believe that God has called us to have an impact in our world, to make a difference. Uh, last week, uh, Jonathan, I listened to uh, the message uh, last week. Um, I was watching it online, uh, live last week as you guys were worshiping, and then I went back and listened to his message. And, and uh, something he said uh, is something I want to springboard off of today, and that was what we do um, does not determine who we are. What we do and what we go about doing is not our identity, but rather we find our identity in Christ. Who we are is what is a firm foundation through the Word of God in our lives. And what we do is an outflow of that, of who we are and who, who we truly are, our identity in Christ. And so that's what I want us to look at, not only today, but as we get into September, um, and it's right around the corner, sad to say, <clears throat> but it's how we live out our lives in a way that's pleasing to God according to His plan and purpose for our lives. So I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 14, I truly believe that we are called to be a redemptive church, a redemptive people of God, and a redemptive community. Now, I know that's a lot of theolo theological word there, but how do we participate in what God has planned for us to participate in this world? Not just in your family, not just in your immediate relationships, not just in the four walls of this building, but as we step out into this community, how do we carry out the redemptive work of Christ that he's called us to? Take a look at uh, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 2. And I'm going to read uh, this, uh, this section this morning from the message uh, the message translation it says this, in the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. I highlighted these two words, through us. You can even put you in there. You can put your name through Darren, through me. He brings knowledge of Christ Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite, exquisite fragrance. Isn't that amazing? The exquisite fragrance. Let's move on. He goes, because of Christ, Paul says, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us, so, sorry, those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench from a rotting corpse. This is a terrific responsibility. This is a, a life-rendering responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on, Paul asks. 
And if you know anything of Paul's writings, he asks tons of these rhetorical questions in his writings. He answers it himself. He says, no. But at least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets and sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence when we speak. God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and say it as honestly as we can. This is a huge, massive responsibility that all of us have been given. And Paul says, who can, who can undertake this? He says, we can't do it on our own, but instead, what do we do? We embrace this relationship face-to-face -face with Christ, and we step out in boldness and, and say it like it is. Back when I was 17, back in the dark ages, back in the, you know, when dates used to have a 19 in front of them, <clears throat> I was 17 years old, I was working as a gas jockey. Uh, if you don't know what a gas jockey is, you were probably born after 1980. This was a, what was called a full-service gas station. You'd drive into the gas station, and there was this little plastic uh, uh, rope or, or you know, tube that went across the driveway, and when you drove across it, it would ring a bell inside and go, ding, and that was my, the gas jockey's, cue to go running out. You know, I had my, my coveralls on and my hat. I worked at Chevron. And uh, so I would come out and I'd say, uh, <laughs> this will really date me, regular or unleaded, right? Regular or unleaded. I'm sure there's a, uh, you know, some sort of a, uh, a lawsuit I could file for, uh, you know, lead poisoning or something. But I'd say, and, and the one that you'd love would be fill her up. Right, because then you could actually, you know, click the thing on, and you didn't have to worry about it. when it was like ten dollars. You had to watch it. But what did you do? You know, can I check the oil? They pop the hood, check the oil, fill up the tires with air. This is full service gas station, which I miss, honestly. So <clears throat> I remember one day I was standing there, and we weren't. It wasn't a tremendously busy corner, but it was a, a, a fair size uh, intersection there. I remember one day I was out at a car. And I was filling their, their tank with gas. I was, I was standing there between the gas pumps in the car when all of a sudden just this terrific collision happened out at the corner. A car had been screaming down the road and another car turned uh, left in front of this other car. And these were, you know, 1976 Oldsmobiles and Buicks. They were heavy, heavy, heavy cars. And it, it was a, a, an amazingly awful collision that happened. But what happened after that was equally scary. And that was one of the drivers that had been hit um, went unconscious with his, uh, his foot on the gas pedal. And the car spun around and all of a sudden it starts heading right toward May and the gas pumps. This car is and wheels screeching and this, and I'm just, I'm frozen. This thing picks up speed and it's heading. It hits the sidewalk and praise the Lord, the wheels get turned a little bit. And instead of heading towards me, it changes its trajectory and it runs right into the corner of our gas station. Wheels still spin and pushed up against this like, glass and brick and stuff everywhere. And I'm still sitting there just frozen. My boss comes running out from the gas station. He comes running around, goes over to the, the driver's window. He shuts off the, the ignition. Everything stops. The wheels uh, stop spinning. And he starts attending to those people inside the car. 
Here's my point in that, is that so many times in life, we are faced with a situation where we're just going along, minding our own, boat, our own business, and there's a horrific collision near us or in our proximity. It's not when this, it's not when this happens. It's, it, it, sorry, it's not if this happens, it's when this happens. Because trust me, if it hasn't happened already in your life, it's going to happen where some crisis point happens in your vicinity. And all too often when those things happen, my conviction is that we as Christians have no clue what to do. We're sitting there like me in between the gas pumps going, oh my goodness, how is this going to affect me? Uh, what do I do? And we get frozen in fear. And carrying on with that illustration, I believe God wants us to be like my boss who knew exactly what to do. And was sprung into action, seized the moment, and added value to that situation. Once again, it's not if these collisions and these catastrophes happen around us. It's when these collisions and these catastrophes happen around us. And are we, as Christ followers, prepared to move into action and be that aroma that adds value and brings the presence of Christ with us wherever and whenever we go. Socially, all around us in the culture of not only our community, but our nation. There's tension, there's conflict. Political arena that we live in whether once again, whether it's locally or statewide or nationally, the disagreements and the different opinions and perspectives and the convictions that people on other side of the aisle hold, the relationships that we have, the crises and the emergencies that come our way, ethically, the divergent morals and values that people all around hold as compared to us, in our world, so often there are situations where as Christ followers, we find ourselves in the middle or, or in close proximity to these situations. And sadly, we don't know what to do. There's chaos and pain. There's suffering. There's great amounts of depression in our world. Disagreements and animosity. There's, dis there's division. There's confusion, fear, anxiety, utter desperation all around us. This is what's called real life. And Paul says, you know what? This is going to be the case. You're going to face this. Take a look at Ephesians 2. He says, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. News bulletin. Do you know that at one time you were without hope and without God? And yet we're surprised when, when we come in contact or we, we have people in our close proximity who are without hope and without God? He says, this is the case. This is what you're going to face. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4. He says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Once again, news bulletin, there are people in the world who are blinded to the light of Christ. 
These are the people who are all around us every single day that we breathe air. We will come into proximity. We will be faced with these collisions and there will be people present who are blinded to the light of Christ. Romans 3, Paul says this. He says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. Verse 17, he says, they don't know where to find peace. People all around this community, all around this state, all around this country are looking for peace and they can't find it. This is what is all around us. This is the environment that we walk into even as Christ followers. Wouldn't it be nice if we had this wonderful bubble that insulated us from all of this stuff of the world? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just insulate and isolate ourselves from any of this pain and chaos and turmoil and darkness and, and infighting and, and animosity? Wouldn't it be wonderful? But yet that's not reality. And chances are, today, possibly even before you leave this room, but guaranteed before the end of the day, you're going to be faced with a setting in a situation where there's darkness. There's going to be a situation where there is no hope, where there is no fear, or, or where there is no peace. There's a whole lot of fear and animosity and anger and resentment. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, you are called and commissioned by God to enter into a situation like this and bring change and add value. You are the bringers of the light of Christ. You are the, 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 the people who bring the peace of God with you into these situations. The word I love, it's on the front of your bulletin, it's catalyst. Catalyst. You are a catalyst of change. The dictionary definition says the catalyst is a substance, substance that increases the rate of chemical change without itself undergoing any permanent chemical change. Isn't that a great image? It's something that brings about or accelerates change without itself changing. You are a catalyst in this world that brings people to Christ into a deeper relationship and understanding. You know, in a church, I, I understand that it, it's easy to hang out in the, the theoretical image of this. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about salt and light. And, and it, it's easy for us to just, oh, we are the salt of the world. We're the light of the world. Yes, praise the Lord. Isn't this nice? We're just going to shine our lights this week and be nice light of Jesus Christ this week. And, and in theory, that sounds nice. In, in theory, it sounds easy. But when it comes right down to it, what does that mean? And how does that get worked out each and every day of your life? tell you, years of pastoral ministry, it gets downright overwhelming sometimes. When faced with the stuff of life every day, every week. Real life settings, people who are lifeless and deflated. There's sadness, depression. 
People have lost jobs. People have experienced financial hardships, maybe even lost their homes, lost a lot of their resources. Where there's death, grief, great amounts of emotional pain, personal loss. Sometimes it's even people's reputations that have been damaged and tarnished, ruined. People who are broken and torn. Marriages, relationships and families, divorce that is so prevalent in our, in our society today. Infidelity, those people leaving their marriages and, and running off and having affairs. People who are being lied to and stolen from and robbed and victimized. This is life, sad to say. People who are injured, hurt, wounded, carry deep, deep scars. There's a physical wounding of illness, but there's emotional injury as well. And emotional injury and hurt and scars that are often deeper than physical ones. Betrayal and animosity and fighting. Disagreements, resentment, hatred, conflicts. And there's the stained and the marred hearts and minds and lives with sin and shame and guilt. People who have crossed the line morally. People who have made decisions that weren't the right decisions. Physical abuse and mental abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Those people who have been victims, those people who have been the perpetrators. There's great amounts of stain and shame and guilt that is carried. So how do we, how do we as Christ followers, carrying that aroma of Christ with us, how do we enter in? How do you enter in to a helpless and hopeless collision and add value? I think I need to pause there for a moment and kind of jump back to what Jonathan was talking about last week. And that is, we can't, Paul even says we can't, unless Christ is the center of our lives first and foremost. You know, I think too often we as Christ followers are frozen there like I was between the pumps and the car, sitting there frozen in fear, not knowing what to do. Why? Because our relationship with Christ is, is non-existent. We haven't experienced the true aroma of Christ in our life. We haven't experienced the true peace in our life. And we're sitting there wallowing around in all of our junk instead of experience the peace and the presence and the goodness of God in our lives so that we can give it out to others. So first and foremost, before we can start the, the, the mission and mandate of what we're called to, we have to have that encounter with Christ on our own. And then when we do, we run with it. I don't know how many of us, we're, we're these perpetual 
kind of God junkies. Now, I, I don't, don't get me wrong in that we need to stay connected to Christ in that, but there's this, this attitude that many Christians have is, I'm, I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough. And, and guaranteed, I think God is sitting up there in heaven, you know, wanting to kick us out of the nest and go, you got plenty. Go for it. And you know what? You're going to get out there and you're going to realize you just don't have enough, but I'm going to keep filling you up because that's what I've promised to do and that's what I'm going to do. So just get up, put on your big boy pants and go for it. Well, but I'm just not this enough and I'm just not that enough and I'm just not bold enough and I'm just not brave enough and I'm just, God is sitting up there going, would you just do it? I am who I say I am. I'll do what I say I'll do. I will go with you, even to the very ends of the earth, wherever you step your feet. I'm going to give you the land. You can step out with boldness. But at the same time, we can't ignore that. There's many people on the other end of the spectrum, they're just ready to go out and blaze a trail. You know, guns a-blaring. God loves you. I'm blessed and highly favored. And it's like, What? See, we can't give away what we don't have. And we got to experience this for ourselves too, you know, first and foremost. But at the same time, we can't just sit there, receive, 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 get, 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 bless, 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 bless. Well, I kind of, I don't know, God, if I really got it or not. More, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. And then we are faced with that conflict, that crash, that collision, and we're sitting there going, well, I don't know what to do. You are the Christ aroma in this world. And if I was a bystander looking in on this world, I'd sit there and go, where are the Christ people? Where is the Christ aroma? I see them over there at 1400 Deer Park Road. I see them over there. But where in this world is the aroma of Christ in awful situations? tell you, aroma is an amazing thing. You notice it. Um, earlier service, I talked about my boy's uh, uh, Honda Accord, and he's got air fresheners in it, and praise the Lord for air fresheners. <laughs> I tell you, my buddy Matt has uh, Trinity Street Coffee up there. I was telling him the other day, I love going into the restrooms up there because they smell wonderful. He's got the best air fresheners in, in Wise County. It's like you notice something of great aroma. You're just sitting there going, yes! And, and you're in a place where there's a whole bunch of, pardon the, there's a whole bunch of crap in that place. <laughs> but you have the aroma, and it's sweet-smelling aroma. There's a whole bunch of crap in this world. Let's be the aroma of Christ in this world, can we? Can we be the aroma of Christ? And yeah, we're sitting there going, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know, I guess for, for some, maybe we want to ignore it. Just pretend it's not there. Live in our own little Christian bubble. Maybe on the other side, it's a, you know, hey, we feel like we've got to fix it, right? Oh, we can't have the, you know, we've got to get in there. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't have put yourself in that situation. 
That doesn't help. Maybe we want to, you know, put the scarlet letter on a person or a situation and just kind of send them off into isolation. I believe there's a different way. Back when I was in Illinois, we were in Illinois, I, was, I played in a men's hockey league, ice hockey. And uh, one night we were playing and a 23-year-old healthy young man had a heart attack and died on the ice. Now, what do you do? That's a collision. That's a mess. You pray and you step into a situation and you bring the aroma of Christ with you. Guys, girls, men, women, there's too many people leaving their wives and leaving their husbands for other people. And it's not just those who are blinded, it's Christians too. And what do you do? What do you do? What's the answer? What? Man, I don't know how to step into a situation like that, but yet I'm called to bring the aroma of Christ with me. Death, fear, abandonment, shame, guilt. Friendships being destroyed. Anger and animosity. Hatred. Who's competent? We're not. But yet as we're filled up, And we know Christ and we've experienced His goodness and His love and His faithfulness and in our lives as, as imperfect as we might live that out. We're called to share that and to bring that. Live that out. To bring the Christ aroma to this world, this salve, this ointment, this, this medicine that brings about change, it brings about healing. And it's not in and of ourselves, it's a work of God. See what He has to do. And I think sometimes we're, we're afraid to do it because we doubt God that He can, you know, God, I don't know, this, this wrecked up marriage relationship, I think that's just too much for you. Is it? This hatred and animosity, these few, two people, the Hatfields and McCoys, they've been going at it for years and there's no way that, is it? Why do we limit God even before we've given Him the opportunity? We're called to be faithful and bring the, the aroma, the presence of the Lord with us. My prayer is that when there's that collision, when there's that mess, when there's that, that impossible situation, you and you and you and you and you and each and every one of us steps into that room and the temperature changes. Why? Because we carry with us the light of Christ, Jesus, the hope of the world. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says this to this, this messed, uh, it, it was a messy church in a messed up community. A really messed up community. And, and in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, 
Paul says this. He says, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will do what? They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Next verse. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Oh, this person is too far gone. Oh, this person is beyond help. This person is, and we draw our own conclusions, right? Paul says, no, we've stopped doing that. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. God, you can only do things that I believe you can do, right? No. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I want you to underline that, highlight that, circle that, you know, fold over the page, you know, remember your life has been changed and God wants to do the same in other people's lives. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ this is important stuff here. Not that other stuff wasn't, but man, we're just amping it up the further we go in here. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. You get that? God has given you and me the task of reconciling people to God. Next verse. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave this message to each and every one of us. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Christ is making, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You are on a mission and a mandate from God himself. You're his ambassador. You're the one, as you step out of this room today, you are carrying the light of Christ with you. You are a change agent for Christ. You carry with you the aroma. You are stinking of God. It's a great stink, by the way. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God has transferred Christ's responsibility to each one of us. Jesus himself told his disciples, I'm going away, this is your job now. He says, by the way, you're going to do greater things than I've ever done. Even greater things. This is your mission, this is your mandate. Out on the wall in the, in the lobby, we have Isaiah 61 written there. Jesus used those words to refer to himself. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to accomplish certain things while I'm here in this world. I'm going to preach good news to the poor. I'm going to set the prisoners free. I'm going to get the blind to see. The oppressed will be set free. I'm going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus said He had come to do. And then He goes like this and He goes, Okay, I'm taking off this coat of responsibility and I'm putting it on you. But you know what he says too? He says, I don't leave you as orphans. I don't leave you to do this in your own accord. I don't leave, leave you to do this by yourself. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit because <laughs> Lord knows that you're going to mess this up. <laughs> right? But with my Holy Spirit. 
Watch out. Watch out. Worship team, why don't you come on up? Let's all stand together.